0: Thank you Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters Podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at TimeShiftersPod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to TimeShiftersPodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeart Radio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, and welcome back to the show. Christopher is here, and Tom is there. Tom, how you doing today?
1: Good. I'm I'm here. I'm ready to discuss this film.
0: Excellent. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that you're ready to discuss this film, especially since you're the one that kind of brought this one to well, the Well, yeah, it is my fault. <laughs> it was your suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> this act, We're going to talk about Brightburn in a little bit, this, but we'll get into that later, I guess. There is a couple of news stories I wanted to bring up. Not a whole lot going on. It seems there's less and less going on uh, as we progress through this whole COVID experience.
1: Well, yeah, it's become, as we were bantering earlier, um, the news is far too serious and entertainment is just fading into the background.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the first little thing, I don't know if you saw this, Tom, this was uh, published June 4th. Aston Martin is making some replicas of the Goldfinger car, complete with gadgets.
1: Oh, wow, really?
0: Yes. They are taking this back. Um, They are actually even going back. uh, This was originally reported, announced in 2018 that they were going to do this. They are building 25 special cars, which are uh, in the same silver birch paint scheme, featuring identical leather interior and dashboard. In fact, Aston Martin actually went back to the original uh, manufacturers of the instrument clusters and everything. So, I mean, this is going to be as close to the old DB5 that you could get. I, and But then they're also throwing in some of the 007 fancy gadgets, including an oil slick sprayer, smoke screen, a bullet-resistant shield, a uh, uh, machine guns. Jeez. <laughs> Unfortunately... Unfortunately, you know, they do have to make these things safe for the road. So while the machine guns can't fire actual ammunition, they look like they're working <laughs> and fire and make uh, gun noises through a speaker.
1: Oh, well, that doesn't sound problematic at all.
0: <laughs> it also has the, uh, the the triple rotating license plate. Oh, nice. And an underseat weapons tray, a telephone in the driver's door, and a radar quote-unquote, which uses modern-day satellite mapping to mimic the old-school navigation screen. I I think this is really cool. They're going to make 25 of these things, and apparently they've already been bought, and they're going for $3.5 million. <laughs>
1: well, actually, since you brought this up, I did a quick search, and I, I, I again, this is very preliminary. I found a one, like, Bing video that mentions uh, from five hours ago that one sold for 6.38 million dollars
0: I think that was one of the the original um, the original James Bond DB5 oh, car really? I think is okay. what I read that's that that recently sold at auction for yeah over 6 million dollars so, so you can get a replica
1: for half that
0: <laughs> it's a bargain uh, they're actually going back I think it's really cool they're doing them they're hand building them in the original uh, facility which uh, threw out the original uh, cars in 63 and 65. I was like, you know, if you're going to do this, do it right. And I make it worth $3.5 million. This, this all to me sounds like it's actually worth $3.5 million. Uh,
1: definitely. Uh, I mean, wow, you almost need to be a spy to own the thing. <laughs> Can you imagine being able to drive around and make your own oil slick as you go?
0: They did say that the uh while they are functional, they don't um what they actually spew out those the oil slick and the foggers do something that apparently that is not hazardous to the uh, road.
1: well <laughs> well like that won't get overridden five seconds after owning
0: it. <laughs> I was gonna say someone'll figure something out uh the
1: point is is if it delivers something, it could deliver what it was supposed to deliver,
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. No, I think that's just very cool. It's just one of the most it's one of the most iconic uh movie cars, one of the most beautiful cars I think ever produced and uh they having to go through this kind of detail and this much trouble to produce these things, I think is pretty awesome
1: I, I missed it if you said does it have the spinning uh center hubs on the on the wheels too
0: I'm gonna guess not <laughs> 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 oh.
1: <laughs> that was one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. And so handy.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely.
1: Of course, he did it to just pull over a, a, a pretty girl. But Road Rage would take whole new meaning.
0: Now, this next piece of the news is a little bit more, uh, more film, and it kind of ties in with our subject from last, uh, last episode. Universal Pictures is gearing up to do a Wolfman film, and they're looking at uh, Ryan Gosling as the lead.
1: I did see that one. Um, uh, interesting choice uh, to do somebody that is generally considered that pretty as the Wolfman.
0: Yeah, good point. You know, I'm torn. I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure. Universal so far has been pretty hit and miss on trying to revise their, their. well, the Dark Universe sputtered to a... and. A screeching halt with uh with mummy uh with the mummy and but they seem to be kind of back on track with the invisible man, which I never got a chance to see uh, but it was doing I think they only spent like seven million and it was making it was in like triple digit million dollars when they had to close the theaters and so who knows what it could have gone on to actually finally make
1: and I don't know what they what they've done in the way of rental because it went uh available for streaming immediately.
0: So did it yeah, I still haven't seen it yet. I'd really like to. I need to add that to the move that to the top of the list as soon as I get a chance to to, yeah, to watch no, like it. I've seen it
1: available for Voodoo as soon as uh, we went into uh went into the pandemic and theaters closed down.
0: Yeah, so uh this is still pretty early so there's no real news about what the film will kind of be, where they're going to go, but they they I guess the Invisible Man they they've dropped the whole dark universe the idea that everything has to tie together they're not going to do the avengers with universal monsters anymore and try to just stick them in keep them in their own universe and just focus on that character for that movie and maybe hopefully they'll do the same thing with this Wolfman.
1: yeah i mean if they could just make a more current version and do it justice concentrate on the writing on character um There's no reason they couldn't do a good job.
0: Yeah, the news that's coming out says it's going to be a present-day film. It's not going to be a period piece. So, all right, interesting. I don't know. I am, you know, color me curious, I guess.
1: Certainly, I mean, we don't have a whole lot to go on right now. But, I mean, I I still welcome the classics to get uh, some spit and polish. Uh, There's no reason uh, interesting takes on old material can't happen.
0: The lead i'm trying to think of whether gosling has it in him the thing that i think makes the wolfman as popular as it is going back to the original universal is lon chaney's junior ability to kind of do the uh the tortured soul and i i think that's what gave the wolfman sort of its longevity and so i'm i'm wondering whether gosling can pull that kind of that kind of story off
1: He's known for his brooding face, so yeah, so maybe he can pull off torture.
0: I'm just worried that this will be another one of these films where by the end it's gonna be one of these oh, I'm gonna embrace this, and oh, you know, you wouldn't like me mr mcgee you wouldn't. you don't you know don't make me angry, Mr. McGee. you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, <laughs> kind of thing.
1: oh, well, I hope it doesn't quite go in that direction, but uh you know. It, <laughs> For now, we just have hope that we we get to see a classic monster return to the theater.
0: certainly, have my fingers crossed, and, like I said, you know, cautiously optimistic, maybe you know and if, if the invisible man does well, do do something with the wolfman, and it does okay. I would really like a good, serious take on something like Frankenstein's monster, I mean, really go back to like the source material and and do something. It's been done on like a smaller scale. A lot of smaller films have tried, and a few have almost got it. I would like to see something with a, a decent budget and a good cast um, try something like that. I, I, I think all these characters, I think, still have the ability to hold an audience's attention today. I don't think they're outdated. I think you can still bring them into the modern world. I think they can still work. Just whether or not the studios go in the right direction with them or not.
1: Well, I mean, let's face it. All of these characters influence so much of other storylines. I mean, you can track a great many things that have become popular over time. Uh, How many vampire movies are there? How many werewolf movies are there? How many tortured creatures... uh, (laughs) misunderstood just because they don't look like they fit in our world. That, I mean, right. The those those are timeless tales and they get redone. So to try to re refine the um the magic in the source material um there's possibility there. Um I am reminded of the uh Kenneth Branagh series uh for Frankenstein that he did. Um, I think I believe that was a mini series, more for television than f- film. But uh, but I remember that being a really nice uh, take on the uh, on the story and, and a lot closer to the source material than
0: <laughs> the, yeah.
1: stu- the stuff from the thirties.
0: <laughs> See, I think they can do it like, like Invisible Man. I think maybe what went into a lot of his success and what potentially could have a little bit more success with wolfman is the while there has been films kind of based on that idea they're not as there's not as many as like the vampire i think unfortunately i'd actually think i don't think they could do it with dracula because i think that's just been beaten to death so hard that it's like you literally cannot come up with anything new that anyone's going to be interested in we've we've seen it all and it's most of it is crap you know when you when, when some studio puts out things like you know Dracula 2000 and they actually put him on a spaceship or whatever it's like or well, that's when you know that property has crossed the line or or Dracula Untold
1: the the prequel to uh, him becoming Dracula
0: yeah 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 uh,
1: the, the, yes
0: it wasn't an awful movie but it wasn't
1: good no no it was completely unnecessary and not yeah. executed well enough to like make you really love it make you think differently about the what it means to be a vampire right <laughs> but but no you're you're right i mean um, while there are werewolf movies and and, and uh stuff in that genre um uh, yeah, the the retelling of Wolfman has not happened all that often. So there, mm. there's, there's material there. There, there's a, there's a place to go with that, that uh, wouldn't be tiresome at this point.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's just it. I think any kind of vampire story will be, would be tiresome. It'd be like, Oh, another one, <laughs> you know? And, and I, I love a good vampire story. I really do. It, but I haven't seen one in a while. <laughs> Wait, maybe maybe that means I, mean, I don't know, maybe that means that there is room. I mean, if you can actually come up with a good one, but uh, I just I haven't seen it yet. A lot of people really like um, oh, what was the one back in the the '90s with uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, Winona Ryder, uh, uh, Bram Stoker's oh, Dracula. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people really like that one. I did not no. I really, I really did not like it.
1: You didn't like Gary Oldman.
0: He was fine, but the the, the movie overall just it, yeah, it didn't work for me. It was the hair, boobs. I, and that's what did it for you. <laughs> admittedly, it's been. I think I saw it in the theater, and I've never seen it since. Really? So it might be one. It might be one that's due for a rewatch. Maybe I'd appreciate it more. I remember even thinking then that Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder, really bad idea.
1: <laughs> oh, I,
0: I think the only good casting probably was Gary Oldman.
1: Uh, well, that sounds like a challenge we may have to rise to to meet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, when we get closer to October, we'll start pulling out some... Uh, some of the horror-themed uh, films,
1: yeah, go on a uh, on a classic monster, but maybe not the originals, uh, the uh, the the next generation ones.
0: <laughs> well, that's the only uh, the two news stories that I uh, could dig up. Oh, there was the big uh, SpaceX launch. Yes. Yeah, you know, United States actually sent a couple astronauts to space for the first time in, in many many years. Thought that was very exciting. Not having to have a you know another country, you know, we didn't have to stick our uh, our astronaut suit thumbed out for <laughs> to get a ride to the space station. And SpaceX does it, you know, in, in spectacular fashion with their uh, their fancy module that comes and just lands on some boat in the middle of the ocean.
1: Smacking of uh, all the science fiction from the fifties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's taken us this long to land a rocket vertically <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do think it I do think it really is incredible It's an amazing achievement and anything that have to do with the space exploration whether it be uh, SpaceX uh, doing what they're doing and and with their reusable rockets uh, when it comes to NASA and their Mars rovers and and things like that all of that just I just love it. I mean, I, it's just amazing. The, the stuff like that is just to me is like the the perfect example of what the human race can do when we just put all our shit aside and just work together.
1: Yeah, the idea of achieving something for the sake of achieving it. The the tr- Yeah, t- to setting a goal and and getting there. The the fact that uh yeah, I, I'm always a little disheartened that we had to do this um, with, uh, with private companies at this point. I, I, I would have liked to see NASA still be able to do these things as a publicly mm-hmm. funded because the U.S. cares about um, science and exploration and pushing the envelope of what we can do for our future. But the fact that there are visionaries that are out there still trying, and they're corporate, and we've successfully launched again, is amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. The one thing that I was entertained by, uh, I just saw it the other day, though, is uh, someone saying the uh, the astronauts that went up in the SpaceX module are still up there for a few more days. We still have time to run out and buy gorilla outfits. <laughs> <laughs> and look and ride horses for when they get back
0: <laughs> yes yeah i think that should be that should just someone has to do it i'm they sorry should just
1: ride up on, on horseback in a gorilla outfit going hey guys what's up <laughs>
0: welcome welcome back to earth welcome to
1: the future
0: so yes, so that's the news. That's all the news that's fit to talk about. Um, all old news, I know. We're time-shifting. What do we want? You know, what do you want? <laughs> so we'll take a little quick break here, playing a promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we're going to talk about probably one of the most recent films that you and I have talked about so far. It's really only a year old. 2019's Brightburn. 14 seasons, Sam and Dean Winchester have been busy with saving people, hunting things, and the family business on the CW Supernatural. It sounds like a lot for someone to come along and try to catch up on the hundreds of episodes this show has to offer. But that's exactly what we're making my little sister do, whether she likes it or not. I'm Matt. I'm PG. And I'm Jess two of us are a huge fans one of us is an unspoiled newbie and we're watching every episode of supernatural together we discuss analyze and playfully mock this show all to realize that everyone dies and no one gets closure listen to season 14 time for a podcast on apple Podcasts, stitcher and google play Yeah, this is a film that I remember when the trailer came out, it was immediately went, oh, damn, I've got to see that. Yes, And then it took me a while to actually get around to seeing that. This came out, I think it was just after um, Disney removed uh, James Gunn from the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. Yeah. Because that was one of the big deals with the the trailer. What A lot of people noticed uh, as the trailer was playing, and it was... Popping up credits of the, the filmmaker to the director, but then there was like type so big it almost blotted out everything else on the screen from the visionary filmmaker and you know director of Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and there was a lot of people that were just like, Did they just just is Sony really throwing a lot of shade over on Disney right now?
1: <laughs> well, you know, while they were fighting over the Spider Man franchise. <laughs> <laughs> why, why not get your diggings in where you can?
0: <laughs> they also, I remember the trailer, almost kind of mimicked um, the Superman film of the time. Oh. Um, was it, which one was it? Was Man it? of Steel. Man of Steel, thank you. Yeah. So it was kind of just uh, played it beat by beat until it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really expecting going to go this film, I didn't know anything about the story, um, I didn't look into the story. I didn't read any synopsis or anything of the story. Just based on the trailer and what I could see from the trailer is kind of the where I got any expectations or anything from the film. And I'll, I, I've got to admit, after watching the film, I'm a little disappointed in it. I didn't get the story that I was hoping for.
1: Really? So how so? Or do you want to get into a synopsis real quick?
0: Oh, that's one thing I did not do was write a synopsis. But the synopsis is kind of like, if you know the story of Superman, you kind of know the story of Brightburn. A farm couple uh, find a spaceship that has crash-landed on Earth that contains a child. They raise this child as their own. Uh, As a child grows up, it becomes obvious that he's not, you know, an ordinary child, and he has abilities far beyond mortal men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in this story rather than taking these forces to be, you know, for truth, justice, in the American way, he, try, he uh, sets about to take over the world.
1: That is a nutshell version of Briper, yes.
0: <laughs> now, I'll just go into what I thought I was going to see with this film, is I really thought, okay, you're going to take the Superman mythos, you're going to take the Superman story and, and turn it on its ear. I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting, because you're going to take a, a story, you're going to take a character... And instead of him being maybe found by, you know, the caring, loving ma and pa Kent, maybe he'd be found by somebody maybe they tried to take advantage of and and uh of his of his abilities. Or maybe he would you know, they'd have him in like a, a circus sideshow kind of thing, a freak show or Maybe we'd see a story about a kid that grows up and especially in a a modern age where a kid maybe, you know, is bullied or maybe a kid is scenes that sees school shootings and and um, cyberbullying and a child with the uh, abilities of a God. What would happen to him in those situations? You know, chances are he wouldn't become he wouldn't rise above all that to become the brave and the bold uh, Superman. He would He'd be like the Lex Luthor, you know, (laughs) he would, he he would be the supervillain. And I really thought that's the story that we were going to get. And instead we don't. The couple that that find him are loving, doting, uh, attentive parents. All his evil just comes from, oh, he's evil. That's, that's just who he is. The little, the little, the spaceship talks to him, mumble, mumble, and, oh, I'm evil so I'm going to kill everybody and destroy everything. That's it. He was a good kid until he was evil. I'm like, oh. It's just literally a flip a switch. You were meant to be this strong and evil person, so you are.
1: I will give you uh, um, that much of it. That uh, In hearing you say it, I, I get that moment uh, that we there wasn't a whole lot of precipitous for why Um, All of a sudden, he's just evil. Um, I did actually kind of like the idea, and and this is when uh, uh, there's actually a little uh, five-minute clip. I didn't get a chance to watch it about the concept of nature versus nurture in this case. In Superman's case, you had um, the Kents that raised him a certain way, but you also had jor who also had his words of wisdom to to put so um, his human parents and his Kryptonian parents were kind of aligned in you're to use your what you have available your skills your powers for the purposes of good so he was aligned in all that direction in this case Jarrell is not loving there is no Jarrell there's no Parentage from the other world. There's just this mechanical thing giving an order, a single order, in this case, which is take the world, which we don't even have enough context to know what that means from what he's getting. Um, mm-hmm. Where I'm a little okay with the whole turn is because... You're hitting that moment at pre-adolescence where he, burning the ants under a, micro, uh, under a uh, magnifying lens, uh, the doing things because you can, it, 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 it's the boundaries that you, you start pushing at that age. And now we have a kid with this thing telling him to take the world in unlimited power and he is just run amok. And he starts small. He tinkers with, with his power at first uh, because there's a girl he's enamored with. Um, so he pulls his little tricks because now he figures out he can. And he gets away with it. And where the movie does lack is the... We probably needed a little more character development from his side to understand if that was what they were trying for there. That notion of, yeah, this is an adolescent that is not limited by anything. When when there is no authority higher than you, what stops you from doing anything that blinks into your head?
0: There's no question, though. There's no question from him. There's no... There's no moral ambiguity about him. There's no, should I have done this? Should I do this? It's just, oh, I'm going to do this. And at no point does he ever look like he thinks, yeah, that probably wasn't a good idea. Uh, so I just, I don't like the fact that you could be raised to be a good kid and then suddenly you're killing chickens in the backyard
1: and with that part I am totally with you on that I feel like there's part of the story that's a little bit missing i I, I could still see all of this going down in that way uh, but again uh, we need a little bit more than we got
0: you' you're talking you you mentioned nature versus nurture so this is apparently it's in his nature to be the evil despot that he becomes right. and I was looking for more of the uh how is he shaped by nature? And I think that would be a more interesting story. Uh, I I just, I think, how about he's not adopted by anybody? What if he's found and and turned over to the system and he spends his life in the foster care system, bouncing from home to home, uh, maybe facing abuse on the way. That's the kind of thing. And then suddenly you find out that you have the powers of a God what are you going to do with that?
1: Yeah, that that would be a good way to get to, uh, I'm pissed off at everybody and you're all going to pay.
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's really what I was looking for. And I think that would have been a much more interesting story instead of just the evil for evil's sake.
1: No, I'm with you. Um, but in the end, it didn't stop me from enjoying the, the visual fun um, that the... Mm that the film brought on i mean uh, this kid when he does go <laughs> it is a ride <laughs> i
0: did i did wonder too whether or not when they they originally planned this story they had thought that it would be an older child there are some story elements where i think would have worked better if it were a 15 or 16 year old particularly his you know uh his kind of uh affection towards the the girl i mean at 12 i just think that seems a little early there's just a couple elements i'm trying to think there was another example too that i that i had i just i I think maybe they decided to age it down they found this 12 year old who is fantastic this kid is is great at being the sweet and innocent and all he's like a little cherub and then he can change his expression and they're like okay creepy I don't want to spend time with you uh, he's incredible absolutely and I think maybe they stumbled across this kid and went we could do this as as a 12 year old you know um, makes me
1: kind of wonder uh, what that kid's parents felt like after they saw the movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: no doubt uh, like, uh,
1: you, you need to go over there <laughs>
0: Yeah, but no, I just, I I felt like maybe some of the story elements would have worked better, especially with him, you know, having this attraction and and whatever with the girl. Just seemed like something that would have been, would have fit better with an older actor.
1: I get where you're going with that, but I feel there's almost, uh, like, this is already an R-rated film. I think you could push the boundary a little even harder than R, if uh, we're dealing with a 15 16 year old with unfettered powers and uh, the sex drive of a 15 16 year old boy um, that could get ugly very quickly oh yeah
0: so no it's a very good point so
1: with it being more the puppy love stage the uh, the he's just getting the interest in girls and doesn't know what to do with it. I actually kind of like the. Um, well, granted, they they invited that in the creepiest way possible, where uh, the parents find uh, his uh, his girly stuff under the bed, and not only does it include girls in panties and bras, but uh, also their anatomy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, which uh, actually now that it doesn't forgive where they went with this as far as, uh, that whole, you wanted to see, um, ner- uh, the, rather the lack of nurture be the source of his evil. Um, but the fact that they pulled that stuff out and he hadn't actually gone evil yet says, right. There was some development there. There was something going on in his head. Um, that we we weren't privy to um it they also touched on this and some of the other stuff uh and where you could maybe get the idea that maybe this kid already had that sense of superiority building when they did the uh like there was a scene where he's in class and he's not paying attention and it's not because he's goofing around it's because he's bored, because he already knows all the material and then some. Because uh, the teacher calls on him, and it had something to do with bees, and he ends up doing a full rundown on a, to the species level, and he is so far ahead of everyone in his class.
0: Right. Yeah, it was the, the, the difference between bees and wasps. Yes. And he describes the differences, and, and then it turns out that he... It's kind of foreshadowing. Yes. Because he ends up, he's effectively a wasp.
1: Yeah, he's a wasp (laughs) in a den of bees. (laughs) In fact, he's the murder wasp. (laughs) Or the murder hornet.
0: It just ended up, for me, it was like, it was an okay horror film. Uh, It was still an interesting twist on the superhero genre, I thought. Because it was, I mean, come on, he had pretty much the powers of Superman. Except for apparently superheroing. Uh, they left that one out because that they had to have his mom hide under a bed. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't walk right by, and he didn't know, hear her breathing. So everything but super hearing.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so it seems. Yes, uh, we didn't see him blow anything over with super breath either.
0: <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, it was definitely it was obviously a little a uh, little take on Superman. Even some of his outfit uh usually relied on the blues, reds, and yellow, which is you know the colors of the original superman outfit uh so um I was actually surprised they didn't have like maybe they couldn't afford it have like you know a Superman comic or poster or something you know that he would have looked at and sort of emulated <laughs> in his own way, except that would have been kind of a role model if he suddenly finds himself with these powers so this is a i 'm assuming this is a universe that doesn 't have superhero comics
1: and i always wonder that uh when when you're in any kind of genre piece is and this one is blatant in it uh you're essentially accepting that no one has ever heard of superman ever this is clearly set in something that resembles our world um it is Current, it's up to the past five ten years at least. Um, but <laughs> again, no one seems to correlate. He flies. He's got heat vision. <laughs> he's just like super. There's no. There's no distinction, and I always uh, marvel at that in any genre piece where they just don't tie into the rest of the world around them that would be directly related to what's happening.
0: Yeah, or just not even just Superman, but superheroes in general. This this world apparently has no superhero comics or TV shows or movies. No one knows what a superhero is,
1: right? Um, But touching on the whole the costume and all that um, again, before he turns evil, he was already working on his logo. Um, he was doodling True. in his pad. Uh, his, well, he granted uh, he. The the thing uh, I do like the alliteration part in this uh, that uh, Brightburn has the same initials as his name, which is Brandon Breyer. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So. Which goes with the alliteration that goes back to classic superheroes with the, you know, sort of the Clark Kent and the Peter Parker. And yeah,
1: yes, they all do it. uh, And Stan Lee murdered it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't think Stan Lee ever created a character that didn't have alliteration of some kind.
0: Yeah. Bruce Banner.
1: Yeah, no, uh, Big Bang Theory did an entire, almost an entire episode where one of the characters just went over, like, every character. <laughs> Which was hysterical. Uh, since we're talking about uh, the, the nature versus nurture, what was really going on in this kid's head that that allowed him to make the what, at least on film, looks like the abrupt change. But there are those little nuggets, like that that don't know what all that logo doodling was about where uh, was that just something cool that was in his head or was there something already there uh that he's like he's he feels that he's planning something and we don't know
0: Uh, see i took it as a logo as just a kid that was doing a fun thing with his initials making a little bit of art and then when he went to that next stage he just ah hey, i have already got my logo and i'll just keep using that i'll i'll do that from now on that'll be my sign yeah my signature
1: again whatever you feel about the overall film i i was uh enamored with his choice to um literally sign everywhere that he did what he did
0: yeah yeah well that's definitely i think a sign of an adolescent mm-hmm. I think that's a sign of a 12-year-old because that's not a smart move, especially when you've been going around doodling. You've got it all, got it all over all your school books. Right. It's not a smart thing to do. <laughs> so it does, it, does, it does go to show that while he has all this power, he doesn't have the intelligence that's required to properly control it.
1: And that's where, at least, again, uh, if you get past that part to where he turns— um, the fact how he behaves as he turns is entirely how a 12-year-old boy, given the ability to do whatever he wants, would behave. That notion of he's not really thinking any of it through. He's just doing. And he's doing more mm-hmm. just to keep finding out what more he can do. How far can he get away with it? And even if he doesn't get away with it, when he gets caught... Well, what are the consequences? And it turns out, in his case, none, none. because no one can do anything about him. Um, his mother's the closest thing that can get to him, and she botched that too.
0: <laughs> That's a, another thing that I kind of had a problem with, is that apparently when he goes evil, there's no connection to anything prior. I mean, it was they, they built up this close relationship between him and his mother for sure. I mean, they were best friends. And they show that they had a little montage. They're together. They're playing. They had the little game with the, the hide and seek and the whistling. And there's absolutely no remorse from this kid about anything he does once that f- switch is thrown. That's where I think it loses my interest. He's no longer an interesting character to me because there is no conflict there. There's no remorse. There's no conflict. I, I, I described it. I was, talked to my wife about this. And I'm like, this is a story. This is a story about a toaster. You design and build a toaster and then you try it out and it makes toasts. That's not interesting. But Brightburn was just so one note. When they just when they decided okay, he's evil, he flips a switch and he has no qualms about hurting people he previously loved. And he and they built up the fact that they he loved mm-hmm. them. They made a point of showing of pointing out that this was a loving, you know, attentive, fantastic, like model family. This is a
1: film where I think it got hindered by essentially the gag that they wanted to pull off, which is they wanted to show you evil Superman. They wanted to show you what happens when you give somebody that level of power and no moral compass.
0: But well, they rushed to get to they it. They didn't do it. They they rushed. They, they failed. They took the quick route. Instead of actually telling a story, they just said, yeah, he's a really great kid. And then he's evil. Wait, what? Why? Because the spaceship told him to be. That that's it. They they did. They took the the easy way out on this. They wanted to tell the story, but the story of Superman, it isn't it's the fact that he was guided by these loving people. They said, "Look, you have these abilities, you have to use these abilities." Yeah. They they had the moral compass. This kid had the same moral compass. And it didn't matter. So they needed to give him a backstory. They needed to give him a life sans that moral compass. That's where you get the evil Superman. Just having a just having the spaceship flip a switch. It it just it's not interesting. No, you're
1: you're ab- that's not a that's not that's not good storytelling. No, you're you're absolutely right. That that is not uh, I, I feel like there would I think you could still have the the good moral upbringing and have for at least an adolescent the the thing that happens that could make it all go wrong cuz it is a vulnerable time it doesn't take much it, one wrong perceive one thing perceived incorrectly can make for huge tragedy i just don't think we got that
0: uh you're right the uh the get rid of the spaceship yes thing. Get rid of the spaceship talking to him. Just make it about him living his life and yeah, having conflicts with the girl he has a crush on, who then you know makes fun of him or something in school and and crushes his heart. Um, make it make it something about oh dad, can I get a puppy? No, we can't have a dog uh, or something. Or uh, yeah, we get a puppy, but the wolf that keeps killing the chickens killed the dog and that makes the kid angry and you know he goes off and does something to the wolf do something like that make it life experiences that change him don't make it oh i'm evil
1: no and and i'm with you there in fact actually i think you're on to something with that uh and and from what i was saying before um you could make this so much more interesting to watch it just go horribly wrong over the little of things. Because again, like I said, mm-hmm. you're 12 years old, your your view of the world is still very small, so the slightest disruptions in that, that that first girl that breaks your heart, that the, the, the idea like you had a, um, a family pet that dies wrong. Any of those things that cause disruption, and now you add on A kid that has no limits in his abilities. So now you take the little thing, and kids make big things out of little things all the time. But imagine the kid that makes a big thing out of a little thing, but can burn down your house by staring at it. Um, Mm -hmm. now Now you've got something, because now you're talking about how to take a perfectly good kid and start turning him on edge- and you could still do it quickly because at that point, he doesn't have an off switch. I mean, there's no limit in to what he's doing. So any perceived slight becomes a potential for horrible murder. And, and that would have been more interesting than the uh, than the spacecraft giving him that. And, but if you threw that in as the, the extra little nudge you could you yeah. could do that the the hey Jarrell's not there to also pat me on the back, <laughs> so
0: right see I've always viewed uh the reason Superman is the way he is is because his his life experiences have led him to wanting to be the man that wants to try to save everybody uh so if you wanted to take that story and twist it then I think you have to do it the same way. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm good with that. But then since we're going down this path where uh, this one didn't satisfy you that much, uh, so (laughs) but one of the things that at least piqued my curiosity, I don't think they're going to get to go anywhere with it, as you go through the entire film, and regardless of how you feel, uh, I I thought visually it was very appealing, a lot of fun. Um, it, but it's the run at the final credits, uh, the yeah. look ahead at what he's doing, and the news. Uh, well, uh, granted, it, it's supposed to be an, a sensationalist journalist kind of guy going nuts, uh, but he's spewing out there. Other figures that are like this kid, and they are all direct ripoffs of other DC characters. There's a there <laughs> there is a he, there's some half man half water creature thing doing something clearly a ripoff of Aquaman, and yeah, um, some witch with uh, these ropes that do things, and it's a total play on Wonder
0: Woman. So right so you're you're looking forward to like the the bright burn (laughs) universe
1: looking for well again I I enjoyed the film for what it was I was not blown away by the poor parts that we've been discussing the that impetus to turn but enjoyed the ride of having an evil uh superman kid uh and then then they introduced these features and me being a a dc kind of guy anyway um the notion of a dark justice league, a, a total horror based version <laughs> of these characters, even if it's crap, it'd be kind of fun to watch. <laughs> like, I, especially since, and, and I don't know, I almost don't know if it's like a dig on the DC universe itself, because since this movie came out when it did, and it would have been. Um, post-Aquaman, post-Wonder Woman, and they chose those two characters, and of the DC films, those are the two better (laughs) of the more recent DC films. Yeah. I I think it was funny that they picked on it, and I'd love to see their take. (laughs) Even, like I said, even if it's... Even if the story doesn't entirely make sense, just to see visually what they come up with. To, to tell these stories that uh, would be kind of fun. I don't know if they're going to get to go the way of Cloverfield and just kind of run with it.
0: Curious, it'll be interesting to see if they come up with uh, any other films within this universe or not. I mean, they obviously, the end credits kind of hinted at the fact that it's a possibility. Yeah. You know, they're showing you know the kid going off and, you know, what is this mysterious figure over in Kansas? And, you know, this mysterious figure demolishes a building. And, yeah, And then, yeah, the, uh, like you said, the, uh, the, whatever you want to call them, the conspiracy theory, um, you know, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it hints at a larger universe and, and, and of of a future within, you know, for the Brightburn character, if that's what you want to call him. The, sure. uh, <laughs> the Brandon Breyer, the Brandon Breyer character.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious uh, if in this world uh, they would actually... Nickname the kid doing this, and if they'd actually call him, like, Brightburn or something like that.
0: Well, that's, yeah, that's where he was seen first, then maybe it would stick. That's that's definitely what it's the, the, you've got uh, led to believe by the, the news footage that, you know, quote-unquote, Brightburn's seen again kind of thing. Yeah, so. and
1: since he's burning his logo into everything and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that's a, a pair of bees together...
0: It'd be interesting to see what they could do if they did more films. Um, I think it'd end up being sort of like a franchise, a little bit like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or something like that, where everyone, you know, roots for the bad guy for some reason.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, uh, yeah, this is your chance at a cathartic release of all of your anger and tension as you root for the thing that's going to destroy everything around it. You don't want... Yeah. uh, Even even if uh, the quote-unquote good guys win at some point, and that was actually an interesting element for this film. Um, No matter how you feel about it, um, most horror movies, the good guy, at least one good guy in some fashion... Does make it out there, there. There is somebody that at least survives, if not wins, at least survives this. Brightburn, nobody survived. <laughs> the kid's the only nope. one that's left.
0: So, yeah. Yeah, I kind of saw that coming. Uh, I, it, I had to go one of two ways. Either the mom would end up killing the kid. Right. Or the kid would end up dominating the world. That there really isn't any other direction this could have gone.
1: <laughs> no, there's not. But since they did choose to go with the direction of the kid is still out there, no matter how you feel about it, you kind of want to know what happens next. <laughs> he is in this world.
0: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look good for the world. Thinking outside the box, trying to figure out you know what was going on, you, you think maybe this kid was <clears throat> sent to Earth purposefully? Mm-hmm. And that he's like the advanced, the the advanced force to you know uh, weaken the the planet for invasion or something.
1: Weaken it or at least test it.
0: Yeah, like, exactly. So I I think yeah, there's definitely more more to come. I guess in that story, I could definitely see. Yeah,
1: because uh, at this point, especially if he's if his directive is take the world as the thing keeps telling him, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. He's as powerful as he is. Uh, I could see him more as an organic probe, just seeing if, uh, seeing if the world in which he's in can actually survive him.
0: Well, we actually got a lot of feedback on this one. Did, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we go? Oh to no, it?
1: no I, I think we've uh, um, as much fun. I mean, I could go into visual effects. I I really enjoyed a lot of them. Um,
0: it was a great-looking film. There's no doubt about that. No, I did like the way it looked. I liked the way the, the character designs uh, were done really well. Um, the visual effects were, were really, really well done. Um, I, I, so, yeah, absolutely on that. I,
1: I like the feel of it. They, uh, again, we, we've touched enough on, uh, on the character development, but if you take out that hunk where, uh, where we just didn't get enough to know why he'd make that turn... The characters themselves were actually—I uh, was drawn to them. I was entertained by them. Uh, they felt real to me. Um, they were pe- a lot of them were like people you already knew or would want to know. They were. It was a nice little town, and you could picture yourself in it.
0: Just thinking, Elizabeth Banks. I like Elizabeth Banks. Yes. Elizabeth Banks, though, just doesn't—at least to me doesn't seem to be a farm wife <laughs> no there's only two places that elizabeth banks or someone like elizabeth banks is a is a farm wife and that's this movie and a farmersonly.com commercial
1: <laughs> 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 well i think uh that's what i enjoyed uh <laughs> they they made while she was a farmer's wife uh she was still kind of a hippie's farmer's wife, too, because uh, she, she was doing her goofy paintings and all that, and they didn't seem to make any sense, the, the paintings that she was painting. So I, I get a feeling uh, she was more of a hippie girl that just happened to fall for the, uh, the farmer's son, and that's where she got stuck.
0: <laughs> all right, well, as far as feedback go, we'll go with some of the shortest stuff. Uh, we'll go to Twitter first. Uh, which, in case if you ever want to follow me and make any comments on anything, I'm when I occasionally ask for any uh, output, go to uh, just look for uh, Time Shifters Pod at, on Twitter. Uh, most of these guys are other podcasts, which I also recommend. You know, digging them up if you're looking for more shows to listen to. Uh, Grief Burrito <laughs> <laughs> replied that he has uh, is- they, they have not got to see this yet. I remember thinking the trailers looked pretty good, though. I like the darker, more horror-focused tone for sure. The Shart Select podcast says it's decent. Takes a good twist on superheroes. Don't think it's something I'd ever watch again, though. Uh, Keith Giles uh, replied to me and said, Brightburn was a missed opportunity to me. It could have been so much better. To which the movie seller uh, replied, agreed. It was good, could have been great. And then uh, Cooking with Grief podcast said, missed opportunity in my opinion. He was basically just a dick. Not like a villain or a monster or craves with power, just an unlikable dick. Said Chronicle did it better. And I, yes, I do think Chronicle as far as telling the uh, Telling the, the the sort of the story that I was looking for, I think it was definitely yeah. uh, more on point. Now, um, let's see over on Facebook, uh, Billy Flynn and Dave Minkus both had a couple of the same comments. They said they both liked it more than they thought they would. Rod Barnett from over at the Nashy Cast and the uh, Bloody Pit Podcast said that unfortunately the film never really comes to life for me, despite an excellent cast and a believable built scenario. It never catches fire and begins to feel like just an interesting exercise. It is flat. The narrative has no sense of escalating tension. The film can't manage a feeling of dread and danger that becomes progressively more ominous as more terrible things occur. The feeling of foreboding never seems to become stronger in order to make it feel as if a series of violent events is growing instead of just happening. He he goes on and says, Thinking about the film afterward, I began to realize that some of the fault is in the film's direction, which doesn't bring a rising tension to the details of the story. But I'm almost sure that a vital scene was edited out of the film. I think the choice was made to hold a certain gruesome reveal to the last possible moment, um, but eliminating this from the knowledge of the father character makes the hunting scene less believable and lacking an emotional resonance. I think this missing scene would have helped the film feel less flat Injecting anxiety into the father's motives, even if it wouldn't have fixed that, even if it wouldn't have fixed the too deliberate pacing in the second half, this film had real potential. But in the end, it's a misfire. Now, I kind of, I, I think I see what he's talking about there. We get the reveal of what happened to the uh, waitress Erica yes. in the very yeah. end. I think he's thinking that maybe his, the father might have discovered her prior to taking the kid hunting. I, I, that's my guess. Is that that that, that critical missing scene there? I, I kind of agree that maybe something like that would have been helpful for the father's motivation.
1: Uh, I agree too. And seeing as how the way that the woman and it was kind of a throwaway moment. Now, uh, now that we didn't touch on that till now, uh, but I mean, he essentially recreated some of the anatomical pictures that. That he had under his mattress, and they just stuck that on there at the end when she's trying to get a metal piece from the uh, from the uh, ship. And yeah, uh, I could see that being far more effective if we had had seen the father come across that, um, solidifying mm-hmm. his need his need to end. <laughs> end this thing before
0: to do yeah, something to, yeah.
1: Try, yeah, to try to do something because his his son at this point who is clearly not his son in his eyes at that point has gone too far there's there's no doubt anymore
0: uh we got one more there was one more uh comment over on on facebook um chris page no relation he commented, says, Other than the overall concept, which really kind of plays out like an issue of DC's Else Worlds, of which I appreciated, I loved the tight pacing of this film. It never felt like they were crunching in story elements, yet gave you a lot of depth at the same time. It moved so fast, but never felt rushed. The casting was perfect, and that kid did such an amazing job of creeping you out. On top of everything, I felt that they absolutely nailed the end by expanding it to a global scale. And really, if you were born super powered, what is more likely, superhero or villain? I mean, you grow up being able to do anything you want. Power corrupts if you're going to get all philosophical. There's definitely, I mean, there's a lot of, um, it seems like you. there's a lot of, uh, you love it or you hate it. Or, well, there's a little gray, a lot of gray area too, I guess. I mean, there is 30% across the board so far. <laughs> you like it, you don't like it. You thought it was okay,
1: (laughs) right? And 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 I I fit into the category. I had I had a lot of fun. This is actually the fourth time I've seen this film. Um, So Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly enough, I was supposed to go see this with my with my girlfriend, and something went horribly wrong that she was just not available. And I already had the tickets so I went <laughs> and saw it in the theater <laughs> like, hey, might as well at least get the use out of what else, what's already been bought and then I know I've watched it since since it's been on like movie channels and such um, and, and I still come back to it I enjoy watching it, I like the take on it, but uh, that one uh, comment that you read that went very in depth, I, I, I don't disagree um and I don't disagree with any of your points. There, There is way more potential in, in this that I just don't know that we got. Uh, a little better fleshing out of, uh, of the, the motive um, for him to turn. Um, I think we've touched on a few things that could have made it far more impactful, the, the notion that Mm-hmm. A, a child just overreacting and then finding that in their infinite power, overreacting also becomes kind of addictive. Um, there, there's potential in there, and I don't think we got that. But I still had fun.
0: <laughs> well, those are all from Facebook. And if uh, anyone else would like to join and, and comment on any of the Facebook uh, posts and everything, just go to Facebook.com and search for Time Shifters. Uh, there's, a, there's a page and a group. But one will lead you to the other. Though so, there's also Time Shifters, the punk band from, so <laughs> who are really awesome. And I, I have their album, and they're really great. So check them out too. But yeah, the,
1: <laughs> or you know, leave them a comment on this and just totally freak them out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but we did actually get two emails as well. And this was done by sending it to Time podcast at gmail.com. This first one comes from our old friend Matt Flynn, former host of the Time Shifters podcast here. He says, Hey guys, I hope things have been well for you both, all things considered. But let's talk about Brightburn. Right from the trailer, I knew this was a movie I wanted to see. Whoever was in charge of recreating the aesthetic and beats from the Man of Steel trailer only to flip the entire premise on its head was brilliant. Because of that, I rushed out to see this in the theater. Overall, it's a good movie, but not quite the same level of brilliance as the trailer. This is one of those movies where the parts are greater than the whole. Certain scenes are fantastic, but at the end of the day, it was the larger world that gets teased at the very end that I was more inter- interested in than this origin story. My hope is this franchise can continue, and we can see these other supervillains appear along with this world's good guy version of Lex Luthor rise up to combat them.
1: <laughs> Hear, here, man.
0: And we got one last one. This one from Pete Quint from over at the uh, Good Beer Bad Movie Night podcast. It says, Greetings, Christopher and Tom. Brightburn. Wow, what a movie. It's the first superhero horror film I can think of, and it was truly horrific. Psychologists say that the human brain doesn't fully develop until your mid-20s, and some would argue there are brains out there that aren't fully developed well into their 40s, but that's beside the point. I feel like a child turning into a killing machine is much more a realistic outcome than the Boy Scout that Clark Kent turns into. This boy simply doesn't have enough brain and emotional development to truly understand the difference between right and wrong. Superman is the anomaly. Brightburn is more likely. So says, thanks for the great show, and I still owe you a visit to the Fibonacci Brewery. That's right, Pete. I was, hope- I was wondering if you'd forgotten about that. Anytime you guys want to come down, it is right around the corner. It's practically walking distance. <laughs>
1: Priorities, you
0: know. Next time you're in town too, uh, the Fibonacci Brewery is awesome. <laughs> it's a pretty nice we place. We will have to do that. So that's all we got. That's all the feedback, both Twitter, Facebook, and email. Both Fitter, Twitter, Facebook. You know, all.
1: Some of those words <laughs> put together <laughs> in some
0: way. Definitely a film. I'm glad I finally sat down and watched. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna watch it eventually anyway. Um, this is as good as read as as any, but yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry sorry I didn't enjoy it as much as I was hoping to and it looks like I'm, I'm not alone and there's definitely plenty of people out there that enjoy it as much as you do too despite any faults you, you see in it
1: well yeah and, and uh, well it, it's clear you can appreciate some of it at any rate um, but uh but oh, no, you've given me a lot to think about. Like I, I'm, I'm quick to to gloss over, and, and my brain will spackle in the parts that don't uh, that don't satisfy me. But it's not until we have conversations like this where we start to actually drill down and pick apart. And I'm like, yeah, that's actually a very good point. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of motivation <laughs> there to do
0: what he did. Well, I hope it doesn't uh, color your next viewing too much.
1: No, what it'll do is it'll cause my brain to actually fill in those parts that I want. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll read yeah. way more into the, the, the puppy love thing with, his, uh, with the girl and all of that to just create those gap fillers.
0: <laughs> you'll, you'll be watching it with someone, and when a scene comes up, you'll pause it Now, what I think happened before this is...
1: Yeah, because, you know,
0: people love that. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. That is the way to watch it. There's nothing
1: like doing the running commentary (laughs) while they're watching it for the first time. In fact, that's a show that we should do sometime. (laughs) How to ruin a brand new movie for everybody.
0: So that is going to do it for this uh, episode uh we'll be back in a couple weeks tom thanks so much for uh, talking with me this with this oh meeting. yeah happy to if anyone else has any other comments on brightburn or any of the episodes uh, subjects that we've talked about just go ahead and any way that we just talked about twitter facebook or email please drop us a line we'd be happy to hear from you until we talk with you again in a couple weeks we'll say goodbye so bye everybody See ya.